0: Thank you for tuning in to this sermon podcast from Redeeming Hope. We exist as a family of faith that follows Jesus and helps others find Him by living all of life as missionaries of hope. If you want more information about our church or would like to support our ministry, go to our website at redeeminghope.org. Please enjoy this sermon podcast. Hey friends, thanks so much for tuning in to this online gathering of Redeeming Hope. Uh, whether this is your uh first time watching us, maybe you're checking us out if you're a long time viewer of us online or maybe you're a member that's still traveling for the holidays, I just want to say happy new year happy twenty twenty three We're starting a new sermon series that'll take us through the entire month of January and it's called a firm foundation and what we're going to be doing is looking at our vision and why we exist as a church, and we've done this in some form or another. Uh, since we launched Redeeming Hope. And the reason why we do this is that we want to remind ourselves of kind of why we exist and why we're doing what we're doing. And so today is kind of an introductory sermon to uh, our sermon series, Affirm Foundation. And uh, we're going to be talking over the next four weeks. So this is the first, and then there's going to be four weeks that are going to like break down our vision. And we're going to give you the kind of the four elements of our vision. The first is family. Uh, we are a family of faith. How do we engage with one another and how do we view our church? That's going to be next week. The following week is going to be following this idea of how do we engage as disciples who are following the life and teachings of Jesus in this church family. The third week's going to be finding how do we engage others on their spiritual journey to help them follow Jesus. And then finally, we're going to be talking about this idea of faith. How do we engage with God and the gospel through this idea of hearing, believing, and then obeying the truth of Jesus? And so as we begin today, we're actually looking at a sermon on the Holy Spirit's presence within the church. Um, As we think about how we form together as a family, we want to specifically kind of maybe think about this idea of how the Holy Spirit generates corporate unity within our church. How does the Holy Spirit generate unity within our church? So two kind of introductory ideas is who is the Holy Spirit and how does he help our church thrive? So who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, God's indwelling And empowering presence within his believers and his external presence throughout the world. The Holy Spirit sustains and accomplishes what God the Father wills and Jesus inaugurates. And our main point for today is who's that's who the Holy Spirit is. Our main point for today is this that the Holy Spirit's presence within a community can transform individuals into a united family joined together around a common vision to follow Jesus, live in familial love for one another, and experience true and lasting joy together. So we're going to be looking at three points from the book of Philippians, uh, united in a spirit-led life, united in a spirit-led vision, and united in a spirit-led leadership. The Holy Spirit brings unity, and I just want to begin our sermon series talking about this idea of Of unity, because so often that has not been uh, the reputation of the church in Western America. Uh, It just hasn't been in the Western culture that we live in. It's actually been the opposite. We kind of have a reputation for being divisive and dismissive, and with good reason. And so, what I want to do is address these things and show how coming around the gospel of the power of the Holy Spirit can unify us. So, um, united in a spirit led life. Uh, Paul is writing this book of Philippians to the the church in the city of Philippi. Um, He's celebrating the Christians there. He's talking about joy. He's talking about wanting to come and see them continuing to press on in their faith. And this is what he says. He says, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. So he's actually encouraging them to continue on in the unity that they have been walking in. But we see here that in order to have one mind, he's talking about you're standing firm in one spirit, right? This is where we get the power of the Holy Spirit. With one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, before we get to corporate unity, it actually starts with personal change and personal obedience to Jesus. Now you see, that's where it begins. It says, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that when I come, you're unified. Now you see, what this means is that we should be personally changed by Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, and that will impact us corporately as a church. This is why we spend so much time talking about personally abiding with Jesus. This means that we talk about praying, reading the Bible. It's so important for our community. Now, we do that because we want to see you thrive, but we want to see one another thrive and our church thrive. You see, as you, as an individual, are a part of a local church, right, and you're being led by the Holy Spirit, you're spending time with Jesus through reading the scriptures, through prayer, through confession of sin, through meditating on on how he's leading you, through submitting your life to him, through killing sin, through running and pursuing after righteousness and right things. As you do that on an individual level, that contributes to the corporate health and sustainability of our church. So what we believe, what this means for us, is that you matter. Your spiritual health matters as a church. And actually, as pastors, it's Derek and I's responsibility to give you good tools in order to help you follow Jesus and live, as Paul says, live your life worthy of the gospel of Christ. Meaning that you are following the good news of Jesus, that you're letting that inform your life and your actions. And so we can't force you to do anything. Um, Pastor Derek and I can't force anyone to live a life worthy of the gospel of Christ. But what we can do is intentionally shape a culture of growth. It's kind of like tilling the soil. And it's like when you plant a seed in soil, you cannot make that seed grow. You just can't. But what you can do is set it up for success. You can till the soil well. You can aerate the soil. It can be the right soil for the right seeds. It can be properly moisturized. It can be properly prepared. The seed can be planted, the earth packed on top. You can care for it. You can make sure the birds don't come and take it. But you can't actually cause the seed to grow as a farmer. And so, What this means for us is that it's our job as a church family to provide you with the systems, with the pathway, with the environment, with the culture of growth, in so much so that it's really hard not to grow if you're doing the things we're suggesting that you do in your walk with Christ. And so we actually have a really clear, simple plan for what does this look like to abide with Jesus and personally grow. And it's really just three things. It's spending at least 15 minutes, three times a week abiding with Jesus. That's that's word. That's reading the scriptures. That's praying a little bit. That's it. That's all you got to do. Now, we obviously want you to do more. We want to encourage you to spend more time in the word. But what we find is that uh, most people don't really read their Bible. Most people don't actually spend time with Jesus. It's It's actually really hard to do. I'm a pastor. It's hard for me to do consistently if I'm not in a group holding me accountable. But when I faithfully and consistently read the scriptures for at least 15 minutes, three times a week, what that does is that begins to form my life around the life and teachings of Jesus. It begins to form my life around the gospel. I start to center myself more around Jesus. But it's not just related to me. I also need to be a part of a church family. And I need to be a part of a group. And so that's the second thing we encourage everyone in our church to do, is to be a part of a smaller group of people who will hold you accountable to abiding with Jesus and following the life and teachings of Jesus in grace and the gospel. That's what we want. So we emphasize that everyone that comes to our church, we want you to be a part of a group. And we've got new groups starting in 2023, which we're going to talk about in the coming weeks. We've got online groups for men. On Thursday nights, we've got a ladies' group on Tuesdays. We've got Derek and Heidi's group on Wednesdays. Um, We're starting a new group on Sunday nights. We're going to have like, our goal is to have a group every night of the week, right? So that there's no excuse. You just pick one night and you say, boom, I'm going to go to this group. This is why we actually have a Bible reading plan too. That's based around the framework of if you only had 15 minutes three times a week, what is a reasonable amount of the Bible that you could read? And so we think that's about six chapters, right? So we have a Bible reading plan that's generally around six chapters a week for, like, consistently on a three-year rotation. And actually, we just finished our first three-year rotation, and we're starting again. We read the entire New Testament and key Old Testament passages over the course of three years together as a church. And so we get out these cards. We're giving them out online. As well, um, I think it's, uh, it's under resources on our website. We give these out at our gathering. And th- it's this idea that we want to just give you, we don't have to do this Bible reading plan, but we want to give you the option and the opportunity to not even have to think about it. You just open up the card, put it in your Bible, say, oh, I'm reading these two chapters today. And that's it. So we have a Bible reading plan. We have groups. This is why we also have Gospel for Life which we're going to probably be starting a new uh, segment of um, in the spring. And Gospel for Life is a five-week exploration into the gospel, into the depth of the gospel, what it means, and what it means to abide with Jesus, and what this means for our identity and our, our identity as a church, what this means for our time and things, and what this means for our whole mission of our lives is changed by Jesus. All right? so we give you a five-week exploration into the gospel because we want to help you thrive personally. Because we truly do believe that you matter as a person to us. You matter to us as a church. And when you are thriving individually, you help our church corporately thrive. And so we see here that it begins with personal change. But then we see here that he wants us to stand firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. So a question is, is what would that look like? What would a church look like that embodied that idea of standing firm in one spirit and standing side by side for the faith of the gospel? What does a church like that look like? What's our big win? What's the big win here at Redeeming Hope? Well, I think it's a few things. There's actually probably many more than this, but there's just a few things that I have the time to share. Is one that decisions are made with grace, weighing the personal impact of church decisions. You know, so often uh, I've been a part of churches— where they make staffing changes, and I've been a, unfortunately a victim of this, where a staff change was made in which no one was made aware of it, and people who had been following a pastor for years, all of a sudden they show up on Sunday and he's not there. That was just a staffing change. That's not thinking about the, the, the individuals and how the individuals might feel with a corporate church decision. So what we want to do is have decisions that are made with grace, where we're thinking about the health of our whole body, our whole flock. We communicate those things well. Next, I'd say fierce allegiance to one another to thrive and grow. I, I think that a church that's standing side by side with the, shoulder to shoulder in the gospel has a fierce allegiance to the people on your right and to the people on your left to see them grow in grace in the gospel. Like we want to see the people in our church family committed to one another's growth in Jesus. That's what we want to see. And we and I think that would just I, I think that we're already doing that. I think that in a lot of ways our church is healthy in this area. But we want to see other people thrive. We want to see other people grow. We're thinking about others and not just about ourselves. We're actually caring for one another as the church. A fierce allegiance to one another to thrive and grow. Next relentlessly committed to speaking well of one another. You know, so many churches and organizations get splintered because of gossip. But I think that a church that's standing side by side of one mind, of one spirit, standing for the faith of the gospel. I think a church like that would be relentlessly committed to speaking well of one another. That you're just stubborn about it. That when people come around and start talking about someone else, you purposely switch the subject or you purposely say something nice about that person that's being talked about. Like just speaking well of one another. It's it's almost like you're gossiping about one another, but you're gossiping good things. I don't know if maybe that's the right term to say. You're just like talking about one another. We, we want to talk about one another. We don't want to ignore one another, right? But we want to talk about one another in a good way. We want to say, hey, did you hear this person is thriving? Hey, did you hear this person starting a group and we're celebrating that? Hey, did you see how this person totally stepped up and served when we needed them to serve? Hey, did you see that this person led one of their neighbors to faith in Christ? Like we're actually talking positively about one another, relentlessly committed to speaking well of one another. Another thing I think would be evidence, what would a church like this look like is loving meekness. Now, Pastor Derek has used the term before, um, meekness is not weakness, it is power under restraint, which I think was just really good. As I was typing out the sermon, I, I I just heard Derek's voice in my head saying, meekness isn't weakness, it's power under restraint. And I love that. And it's loving meekness towards one another. This means deference to the needs of others. This means that we defer to others and their needs above our own. There's actually a passage in Romans 12 that Paul's giving instructions to the Roman church, and he says, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. This kind of goes back to the idea of being relentlessly committed to speaking well of one another. It's kind of like saying, hey, I'm going to speak well of you, and I'm also going to defer to you and show honor to you in your needs. Like it actually is looking outward to say, what are the needs of the people in our church family and how can I help them? How can I lay down my rights in meekness like Jesus to be committed to one another? And then I just think it's hilarious. He says, outdo one another in showing honor. It's almost like it's a competition, right? It's almost like, like people are competing as to how much honor you can show one another. And I think that's just a great culture. So here's the question are we doing this? And to be quite frank, like I've never been a part of a church I've loved more than Redeeming Hope. Like When I look at our church, when I look at our church family, um, we are broken. We are not perfect. We have our own struggles and problems. Every one of us does. But I just love this church because I look at this, and this isn't a brag on Derek or I. This is actually a brag on the Holy Spirit. Who's bringing unity to our church as we're abiding and following Him? But I think the Holy Spirit has done a work in our church and family to where we do have grace when decisions are made that that we have a we do have an allegiance to one another, care for one another. We we do speak well of one another, and and I do think that we lay down our preferences and rights to care for one another in meekness. And so, in a lot of ways, I look at this and I think, man, this is the church I've always dreamed of. And so I just want to celebrate us and our church for a second, that that I just think we are accomplishing this vision by God's grace and through His power and His Holy Spirit's power within us. And my friends, this is a church worth fighting for. And that's actually the title of our message today. Our title of our message today is, is a church worth fighting for. And so I want to share that I think that this is, this is who we are. And I believe that we are unified in a spirit-led life together, and we're growing in that. Secondly, what does it look like as the Holy Spirit's empowering us, a church worth fighting for? We're united in a spirit-led vision, right? So it's not just personal. It's not just life and personal obedience, but then there's also a corporate vision that we're aligning around. Look with me at Philippians 2, 1 to 2. It says, so if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort in love, Any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy. Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. So we see that our manner of life is worthy of the gospel. Remember, we talked about that in the previous point. Our manner of life is worthy in the gospel as we are encouraged in Christ as we are comforted in love, as we are participating in the Spirit, as we are affectionate and sympathetic towards one another. And what we find is that actually all of these things are modeled by Jesus, and we are in these realities because of Jesus. And so if this seems like a lofty goal for our church and for us as individuals to attain, it is, but Jesus has already met it. And so because we are Christians and we follow Jesus and we're filled by his spirit, this actually is doable. We can achieve this. We can accomplish this. So let's break down these two verses here. Participation in the spirit. This means connection. This means unity. This means community with God's spirit. This means that we are individuals partnering with the Holy Spirit, and then we come together as a church family submitting to the Holy Spirit individually, which means then our church is submitted to the Holy Spirit corporately. We are participating with God's spirit in his work and movement in the world. And we kind of address that with our first point that begins with personally abiding, right? But then it says being of the same mind. And I believe that this, this actually connects with the idea of of having vision. Being of the same mind means we're moving in the same direction that we have the same goals, and that we're learning the same language. Now, this doesn't mean homogeny. This doesn't mean that we all look the same and act the same. It actually means that that within our diversity, we have a shared and common vision, a shared goals, and we're moving in the same direction. So this doesn't mean that we all have to look the same. And this also doesn't mean that we can't ask questions. Like That's one of the core tenets of our churches, is if you have questions, you are welcome here. We must all ask questions and challenge things, but this means that at the end of the day, we are submitted under the Holy Spirit and we are moving in the same direction, that we're going somewhere together. And what is that? We're going into being more like Jesus. That's where we're walking towards. We're walking towards Christ-likeness. We're walking towards unity. We're walking towards suffering well. We're walking towards finding encouragement in Christ, comfort and love Working with the Spirit, expressing affection and sympathy for one another. We're walking towards those who don't yet know Jesus to invite them in to our church family. And that they are going to walk with us and invite their friends to come and walk with us as well. We are moving in a direction. That's being of the same mind. It's our, we're moving in the same direction. Next, it says having the same love. My friends, this is really simple. What does that mean? It means that we love Jesus more than anything else. That we don't love success or growth more than Jesus. That we don't love multiplication or movement more than Jesus. We don't love to appear as if our lives are put together more than we love Jesus. We love Jesus above anything else, having the same love. So when we're participating with the Spirit, submitting Individually, when we are of the same mind, we are aligned together on vision, moving in the same direction together. When when we have the same love, our hearts are tied in with Jesus. Derek talks about tying the heartstrings with you and your kids. And, and, and when Derek talks about parenting, he talks about that. And I love that idea of tying heartstrings. But the first and foremost heartstrings we need to tie ourselves to is Christ. We need to fall more in love with Jesus. And then we will be in full accord. He says, being in full accord, which is the next section. What does being in full accord as a church mean? It means a complete agreement on what the big win is. What's the big win of redeeming hope? What's our big win? It's actually our vision statement. Family, following, finding, and faith. That's what it is. So our big win Is, are we a family of faith? Are we seeing ourselves as a family? Are we treating one another as a healthy, normal, caring family that's unified around a faith in Jesus Christ? Are we consistently walking in faith? Are we consistently hearing, believing, and obeying the truth of the gospel? That's what it means to have faith. Are we helping others? Are we following Jesus? That's the next one, right? So are we actually Taking steps towards Christ-likeness. This means that we're our actions are changing. This means that we're following Jesus in community, right? We're in a group. We're serving. We're caring for one another. We're following Jesus. We're putting death, sin to death. We're embracing a life of righteousness and holiness together. That's following Jesus. Consistent growth over a lifetime. And then are we helping others find Jesus? Are we consistently seeing people come to faith in Christ? Are we consistently having baptisms? Are we consistently seeing people who are far from God coming into our gatherings? People who are far from God coming into our groups. People who are far from God coming into our lives and our living rooms. And are we seeing them actually giving their life to Christ as a new believer who is then baptized into the faith in our church family and seeing that grow? Now, if we're doing those things, right, we're a family a faith that's following Jesus and helps others find him, then guess what? That's the big win. That is our big win. Then we are If that's our win, if that's what our goal is, then we are in one accord, being in full accord with one another. And then he repeats it again at the end of the text. He says, being of one mind. He repeats it a second time because it's so important. The vision is so important. We have to move together. And you see, what happens is, is when we move together, when we have all of these things, right? We're participating with the spirit. We're submitting underneath the Holy Spirit's power individually. We come together. We're of the same mind. We're going in the same direction. We have the same love. Our heartstrings are tied with Jesus. When we're being in full accord, we're complete agreement on what the win is. Then what we see is that it makes our joy complete. Paul says, make my joy complete by being these things, right? By practicing these things as a church. And you see, Paul is finding joy in unity and not division. And you see, if we are valuing these things, then we are unified as a church. If we're living a spirit-led life, this is abiding personally. If we're participating in the same spirit, we have the same mind, which is vision. We have the same love, which is Jesus. We're being in full accord with we know what the big win is, then we are unified and our joy is complete. And that's why when I gave kind of the overview of our sermon today, I said, we live in familial love for one another and experience true and lasting joy together. And I think that we experience true and lasting joy when we really are walking in unity as a church, right? We're invited into joy. So, but what does this mean? This means that People who find joy in conflict, people that find joy in looking good in front of others, people that find joy in trying to prove how much they know or how smart they are or how self sufficient they are, that they won't be comfortable in our church. We have not shaped a culture where they will be comfortable here, and that's on purpose. And so I've seen this happen. They'll either change and catch the vision of our church and catch the vision of personally abiding with Jesus and humility. And they will grow, or they will leave. And here's the deal: I'm okay with either. I think Pastor Derek is too, because we can't change people. We can't force people to change. And so, living in a spirit-led vision for our church family, people will either love it and stay, or they'll hate it and leave. And my friends, our job is to love everybody that walks through the doors of our church. And whether that's at a gathering, whether that's that's a group, whether we connect with people personally, our job is to love people and care for them well. And it's God's job to convict them. It is God's job to change them. And it's God's job to really invite them to join our church family. And so I just want to encourage you in that here is that we will have people that have come. We have had people that have come that have wanted to start conflict, that wanted to kind of prove that they were better than everybody else and, and had masks on. And, and they quickly left. And I think that's a good litmus test for our church is like our people coming and changing underneath the power of the gospel. And I think that we have a strong enough culture. We want to keep this culture strong to make sure that we stay committed to the big win. We personally abide with Jesus. We're participating in the same spirit together. We're valuing unity. And my friends, that is a church worth fighting for. Finally and briefly, United and Spirit-Led Citizenship. And for this, I'm actually going to jump over to another one of Paul's prison epistles, uh, Ephesians 2. Um, this is referenced in Philippians, but it's more expounded on in Ephesians. And for the final point, I just want to go there to have us understand this idea of we have a Spirit-Led Citizenship. This is how I want us to think about our allegiance in this world. Ephesians 2, 19-22. within corporate unity. Just three things I want to highlight from this is that our citizenship is in heaven. This means that followers of Jesus are not first Americans, not first Republicans, not first Democrats, not first employees or business owners. Our citizenship is first and foremost with God. We are not of this world. And so as we live as a church family in this world, we're going to do things differently. We're going to have different value sets. We're going to have a different winds than the world around us does. And we're going to look different than other people. And that's okay. Jesus looked different. So our citizenship is in heaven, not here on earth. Our household is God's. We're members of the household of God. This means that we are brothers and sisters on mission for Jesus. And this kind of goes to the idea of of, uh, our goal is to have familial love for one another. This means that this is how we want the men and women of our church to interact together, seeing themselves as brothers and sisters, as fathers and mothers, as sons and daughters, right? So those who are spiritually mature, those who are mentoring and discipling those within our church family, we want to see you as fathers and mothers caring for spiritual children within our church. Those brothers and sisters who are peers who are coming together at similar life stages and in spiritual maturity. We want to see you as brothers and sisters, and that's how you interact together. And for those of you who are new to the faith, where a lot of some of you who are in our church right now, this is your first experience ever with a gospel centered church. And so we want to see you, your postures like a son or daughter coming into our church, fully accepted, loved, and cared for, and then being mentored by spiritual fathers and mothers. See, this is what it means to be a member of the household of God. And actually, the head of our household is not the pastors. It's not Derek and I. The head of the household is Jesus Christ. He is the head of his church. He's leading our church. And Derek and I are just simply stewards and under-shepherds underneath King Jesus, who is actually leading us, leading our church family. So that's how I want us to see one another as a church. And then finally, our local church is joined together collectively. To be the temple of God, not just individual, but corporate. see, so you can't obey the commands of Jesus in the scriptures and be a Lone Ranger Christian. You just can't do it. There's so many places where it talks about encouraging one another, where it talks about being a member of a local church, um, holding each other accountable to following the life and teachings of Jesus. And we see in the first century, the apostles are setting up local churches. And so you need to be a part of a local church where you are known and loved and cared for and also held accountable to following the life and teachings of Jesus in community. And as our church grows, by God's grace, it will grow. That's why we need to be a part of groups. That's why we need to personally abide. We need to be in a group and also come to a gathering on Sunday mornings. So together as a church family, my friends, we are growing into the dwelling place of God for the world around us to see. And when they see us loving one another, Bible Jesus even says, they will know that you are my disciples by your love for one another. When the world around us sees how this church operates, it will be winsome and it will be drawing people not into drudgery, not into putting on a mask. We're going to be not drawing people just to come and serve your heart out and then get burned out and leave. No, we're going to draw people into joy. We're going to draw people into the gospel which generates joy as the Holy Spirit leads and transforms our church family. We have unity in our heavenly citizenship. And my friends, that's a church worth fighting for. So as we conclude, Paul said, complete my joy by being of the same mind. And when the Holy Spirit is present within a community, it transforms us personally and corporately. It makes us look more like Jesus together. That's what we want to be about. And so joy is generated when we do this, when we're participating. We have the same spirit, when we are following after Jesus together, when we have the same mind, we have the same vision, we have the same love, our heartstrings are tied with Jesus like like this is what happens when we when we're in one accord when we are in agreement with what the big win is when all of these things happen we are making our joy complete it's generating joy and so if you're watching this and you look over the course of your life and you're not committed to a local church and you live in Clarksville we want to encourage you to come and if you look over the course of your life and you said I don't know if I'm fully committed to King Jesus yet. I don't know if I'm yet a follower of Christ. I don't know if I have the Holy Spirit inside of me to empower me to do these things. My friend, you can be a part of this type of family. You can be transformed personally because of Jesus and his work on your behalf, and then be indwelt by the Holy Spirit, who will then change your actions and make you more like Jesus and help you get unified with the church family. And so you can do that by hearing this message, believing that you have a need for Jesus that only he can meet, and then obeying by making Jesus Lord over your life. That's how you become a Christian. If you are a Christian, if you are a follower of Jesus, my friends, don't reject the Holy Spirit's unifying work. I just want to encourage you to practice these simple things. Pray for one another in our church. Just pray for our church. Pray for the people that you know. Be relentlessly stubborn to speak well of one another. Like if you have a problem with somebody, go talk with them directly and immediately. Don't talk with anybody else about it. Be fierce in your love and pursue other people's growth. And you do that in groups. We do that by meeting together, by sharing meals together, by inviting other people over to your house and going over to other people's house when they invite you. Those dinners and those interconnectivity within our church is truly what draws us together and unifies us. It helps us be of the same, be of full accord of the same mind, having the same love, the same heart, participating with the Spirit together. And I just want to encourage you, the, the final thing that you can do is let the Holy Spirit in personally and you will help us be shaped corporately. Like, let the Holy Spirit in personally and you will help us be shaped corporately. So your personal binding with Jesus has a, has a real impact on our church family. And you see all of this is centered around the idea that the Holy Spirit's presence within a community could transform individuals into a united family, joined together around a common vision to follow Jesus, live in familial love for one another, and experience true and lasting joy together. And my friends, that is a church worth fighting for.